So this morning, what I want to do is we're going to dive into this concept of serving passionately with the love of Jesus. And, and hopefully when you leave here today, I want you to have a much clearer picture on what serving passionately with the love of Jesus looks like. Okay? And so I get to begin this morning um, by bragging on our middle school and high school students. And so this is, this is a really fun way to start. I sat down this week and I came up with a quick list of how our students have demonstrated this idea of serving passionately with the love of Jesus over the last year, how they serve passionately. And so since, I'm, I'm going to read that list to you, and so since last year's student-led service, our middle school and high school students have done the following things. Okay, The first thing, and, and Pastor Mark alluded to it earlier, is um, they have been participating in um, a program for our students called Merge. And it's not really a program, it's really simply student serving. And uh, we have around 30 middle school and high school students serving each month in our church somewhere um, in different aspects and all different ministries that are going on. They're on monthly rotations. They're, they're helping in the preschool. They're, doing, they're helping in nursery. They're, you'll see some of them on Sunday mornings on the worship team. So we have around 30 students doing that, which is incredible. And Merge really just came out of the idea that our students need to grow up understanding that serving is just should be a part of who we are. It's not something that you start doing um, because you get your arm twisted to maybe help out a little bit when you have time. But serving is actually part of your Christian walk. It's actually part of how you live out the Christian life that God wants us all to live out. And so there's uh, recently, well, about a year ago, I was at a family ministry conference and um, heard some research that really backed that up as well um, to know that we were on the, on the right track. There, according to the statistics that were used for, for that specific survey or research, that there were 75% of, of high school students, once they are done with high school, walk away from their faith after high school. That's, that's a very devastating number. And a lot of times what happens with that kind of research is, is, is people begin to, to interview the 75%, right? They want to know, well, what did the church do wrong? What, what was... Uh, what were the things that, that kind of pulled you away from the church? And, and, and what I appreciated about this specific research is that it didn't do that. It actually went to the 25% of the students who did stay in the church and stayed involved, and they went to that, 20, that group of 25%, and they said, what was it that made you stick in Christianity? What, what was it that after you left high school, you stayed with it? You didn't leave. You didn't back off. You didn't, uh, you didn't go away. It was consistent in your faith. And there were four commonalities in the 25% that they found. Number one was that they consistently and regularly attended church. What a great idea, eh? Hey? <laughs> That's right. So the reality is the, the consistent follow-through of continually week in and week out regular church attendance actually had a positive impact on them following Jesus for the rest of their life. Another thing... And that this research found is that the family that the students were a part of made attempts to have um, some devotion time, family devotion time. And as a parent, and having talked to a lot of parents, this is hard. Does anyone really do family devotions really well? Doesn't it seem like it just goes all over the place? Because for, for us, we have a six-month-old, and, and then we have a seven-year-old. They can't do the same devotion. And... And, and, and when, when you're in a serious moment with the seven-year-old and you're having this, this great conversation, our three-and-a-half-year-old runs up with something crazy to say and throws everything off, or the baby starts crying. I mean, it's just it's, it's kind of all over the place. And so fa family devotions are tough, but at least an attempt is, is made, right? There, there needs to be that consistent attempt. The third thing um, they call God talks is that you didn't just have family devotions, but that you connected God with everyday living. Okay, so, so something would happen at school, and, and instead of leaving you know, spirituality and anything about God out of the equation when you were talking about that, you actually bring God in and bring God into those conversations, and they just referred to it as God talks. And I remember my dad, he was the king of God talks. If you, if you got at the kitchen table with my dad, you were going to have a God talk. And, 
and, and you might be there till 1 in the morning. So my dad, he lived that out. So um, God talks were, were a big deal. But the fourth thing that they discovered, and, and, and this is what really encouraged us that we were going in the right direction with the idea of, of merge and our students serving, is that those 25% were serving before age 12. Isn't that interesting? They were serving before age 12. And I thought, well, it's no mistake then that God led us to begin this merge ministry where we're getting our students involved in middle school and high school to serve. And so that was very encouraging. And so the number one thing in the last year, and it's been going on a couple of years, just over two years, I believe, is we have students who are well on their way to being that 25%, aren't they? And that's, and that's incredible. And so, and so that really is, I know like as, as a staff, that's kind of an undercurrent theme of how we view our kids and our student ministries is, is, is we want to help parents have their kids be the 25%. And we know that that's the desire for you guys, and we want to be able to help you do that. And so our students have been involved in MERGE. Our MERGE students um, actually did uh, in February a lot of the child care for the marriage builders ministry that started up. So you, you may not have known that, but if you were at marriage builders, there are a lot of our merge kids were actually the ones who were um, working with the children and in the, with the preschoolers and in the nursery and in the gym with the elementary kids while we were able to go and build our marriages. And so that's awesome. And um, students were also helping, and these weren't even necessarily connected with merge, but um, I talked to the loves who oversee our Bible quiz team, and they were telling me what an incredible group of middle school and high school students are helping them every month for Bible quiz. In fact, every week at a lot of the practices, that students are taking a group of the Bible quizzes, and they're working with them, and they're practicing with them and everything. And, and, and I think that's pretty incredible because I didn't ask them to do that. They either were in Bible quiz and just wanted to keep going, um, or wanted to be able to help out, and so I think it's I think it's incredible that our students are doing that. You saw you saw the youth band up here, right? Every Wednesday they're here early. I think about five fifteen, five thirty or so, five thirty. That they're in the youth center practicing for youth worship that night, and so they're they're coming early and they're practicing. They're putting time in. Um, I have a couple pictures for some of these other ones just to hopefully help remind you, but. The fifth thing that I wrote down is our students last year in April were involved in the community cleanup. That there were middle school and high school students who Pastor Mitch and I and some other adults went out and we cleaned up in Port Washington. We actually contacted the rec department in Port Washington and said, we want to do just simply a community cleanup. What can we do to help and where do you want us to do this? And so what they did is they... They got us maps, and they highlighted the areas that they wanted us to go clean up. And um, they gave us gloves and those little trash pickers that Brett is getting Pastor Mitch with on that picture. Um, they, they gave us those things, and, and we went out. We, just, we met at church, and we piled in some cars and some vans, and we just went to these different spots and cleaned up. And, and, and their job last year is they said, you know what? Students, let's try to invite one adult with us join, to join us to do that. And so um, a number of the adults that came, um, a few of the adults that came um, were because they were invited by some students. Um, but here, here's what the, the person at the, at the rec department that said. They were so excited because they said no other organization in all of Port Washington is doing a community cleanup at all. And I was kind of surprised. I'm like, really? Is this that, that kind of stuff goes on in communities all across America? And so Portview Church was the only organization that did a community cleanup. And so I was very proud of our students that way. Um, and so th- th- that they were one of the few um, who were out there doing that for our community. And so this year, April 20th, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. And so students, of course... You guys are invited. Adults, you're invited. This is going to be a church-wide serving opportunity. And so we'll be able to clean up the entire city of Port Washington if everybody shows up. Wouldn't that be awesome? And get the whole thing spotless. It's going to look incredible. So 
Um, the sixth thing that I wrote down is our Port Fish Day Run Walk. There was a number of our um, middle school students and I believe a, a high school student or two that participated in the, in the Run Walk uh, for Port Fish Days, and that actually goes to benefit Portal Industries, um, which supports helping adults with disabilities be able to find employment um, and everything, and that's located in Grafton. But then above and beyond that, they got pledges to raise money for Speed the Light, and Speed the Light is simply... Um, a program through the Assemblies of God that provides transportation for missionaries. And Pastor Mark um, rode in a speed light vehicle when he was a missionary in Cambodia. And so um, they raised money to give to speed the light, and I believe they gave um, our students, middle school and high school students, gave around $800 last year to speed the light of their own money. And so um, the next one is the Moldova missions trip. This past summer, I think that one of the coolest parts about the Moldova missions trip is there was, I believe it was three or four of our students went with, you know, kind of tagged along with an adult, a dad or, or, or someone else, and, and they served overseas in Moldova. And I, hopefully you guys are getting a picture of the, of, of the students that are here and what we're trying to, and, and what the students are doing. Um, the eighth one I wrote down is the City on a Hill Health Clinic. And we, had a, we had probably the most intergenerational group um, there when we went to City on a Hill because we had a, a six-year-old, and then we had people all the way through who were older. I don't know. <laughs> 20, 29 and, and up. So, um, and, and that's cool because we want our students to serve alongside Anyone of any age. A, a lot of times what happens in our culture is, is, is in our culture, the students feel like they have to f constantly fight against adults. Isn't that what's common out there? It's always teen versus adult, teen versus adult. You don't understand me. You don't get it, right? But we're, tr we're trying to go against culture and say that's not the way it is here. That's not the way it has to be. And so our students are coming alongside other adults, working with anyone of any generation to be able to do that. And so... What an incredible thing. The ninth one that I wrote down is specific to our middle schoolers. We did a middle school rake attack. We got together with one other church in Port Washington and joined, and, and we each brought some middle schoolers, and we went and just piled in vans with rakes, and uh, one of our adults brought a leaf blower, which was huge. That was, we got a lot done because of that. But we went in just different parts of Port Washington, and, and people who didn't have their yards raked, um, and had it just full of leaves. We all stormed out of the vans, and we rake attacked them. We raked all their leaves and right into the street, and we were able to do probably a dozen houses or more. Um, and so just a great opportunity to, as, a, as an easy way for our students to, to see serving as just an everyday thing. It should be a part of who we are, right? And so uh, that, that was pretty incredible. Uh, the tenth thing, and I'm sure there's more, but the last thing that I wrote down happened just this past Friday. And many of you may not even know about this. But this past Friday, we had, I believe, 11 of our Portview students at Kennedy Elementary School in Grafton because they needed help at their elementary school carnival. So they led games, and they did, they did all kinds of things there. And it was pretty incredible because it's just last Friday. Um, Anthony... Our, our son goes to, to that school, and I, I know um, the, some of the Lewitt kids go there. And so um, Amy and Kristen said, you know what? They heard that there was going to be a need, that there might not be enough volunteers. And I said, well, let's just put it out to some of our students. And so they did, and 11 of them showed up to, to serve that night. And so um, it, was, it was incredible to be able to hear when we were at the carnival, saying, who, who are those kids? Where, where are they from? What are they doing? You know. And, uh, and it was just a very, very positive thing. So you can be very proud of your middle school and high school students because they have been serving. They have been demonstrating what it means to serve passionately. And so I'm very proud of them. But you know what it does, though? It, at least it did for me, but it, it kind of challenges us adults, doesn't it? Hopefully it challenges us adults to serve passionately. And, and a lot of us already do. A lot of you have lived your lives serving passionately. And so, but hopefully it still challenges us that we're not only just proud of them, but hopefully it energizes us, right, to be able to want to serve passionately as well. Because, 
here are a few few opportunities that you're going to have coming up in the next two months that you can take advantage of for serving passionately. One, I already mentioned the community cleanup that's coming up April 20th. You're going to see sign-up sheets out there. You're going to be hearing about it. Please take advantage of that. Um, like I said, it, it would be incredible if, um, if we were able to clean up a huge part of Port Washington because we had, uh, we had people who cared enough to, come, to show up and do that. Um, the Sockville Community Meal Program, which I don't think we've even mentioned yet, um, but this is something brand new where a number of the churches in um, the Port Sockville area are getting together to serve a meal once a month to the people in our community that are in need. And so Portview signed up to take one of the, one of the months, so our, we're taking the month of May. And so May 25th, another church-wide serving opportunity is we get to serve, I think create, right? Create the meal and then serve it to, to the people who, who are in need who come um, on that Saturday. And so what an incredible opportunity. Those are just two that are coming up in the next couple months. So please look for those and, and take advantage of those. So I know I'm going to be serving at at least one of those. How many of you are going to try to serve at one of those? Wouldn't that be good? Okay, that would be great. So hearing these, hearing these things hopefully should challenge us personally as well. You know, for, for myself, having worked with the, the kids and the middle schoolers for about three and a half years now, in the, the past couple of years, I've been trying to figure out how serving passionately should look in my personal life. And it's, it's good to participate in a few events, right? That's good. But I, I want serving passionately to be a part of who I am personally, not just something I do periodically, right? And so uh, this, this became a challenge in my own life. We, we moved up um, to the area about, well, probably about three years ago, and, you know, didn't have, don't have any connections necessarily in the community or anything. And so it was kind of a big task, task to say, what can I do? How can I begin to make this a part of who I am? And so um, I began to look and search to find some ways that I could serve in the community. One of the first opportunities that came up was um, coaching football at Grafton High School. And so, um, of course, I did that. I mean, who doesn't love football? I played football for years, um, absolutely love uh, uh, football, and so always wanted to be able to have a coaching opportunity. And so a couple of years ago I was, able, I was able to do that, and because of some um, scheduling conflicts that um, we did, I did it for the one year but um, wasn't able to stick with it. And um, we were actually, Kristen was due with our third child in um, September of that following football season which is the prime of high school football season. And so um, the, the choice was easy. Um, <laughs> it was my wife over, over football. So there she is. There's, there's very few things, Kristen, that may bestow more honor upon you than giving up coaching football. <laughs> so... Um, an, another thing, though, um, is I, I got something in the mail, I believe it was even here at the church, about a committee that was um, forming called Character Counts. And it was, uh, it's a committee with leaders from the Port Washington and the Sockville um, communities and also the school district that were getting together and saying, how can we promote um, these, they refer to them as six pillars of character in our community. And I thought, well, what a great idea. And through my lens, I thought, so in other words, they want to promote six fruits of the Spirit um, in our community. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm behind that 100%. That's what I'm trying to accomplish in my kids too. So I took advantage of the opportunity and, and currently sit as um, representing Portview Church on this Character Counts Committee. Um, and having been a teacher for seven years, this lined up exactly. Um, I was able to, you know, I'm talking with school administrators and community leaders about how we can effectively, uh, the tools that we can use to, to get character as a, as a priority in our schools. And so, um, and from serving on that Character Counts Committee, I was asked to represent um, the churches of Port Washington and Sockville on an AODA, an Alcohol and Other Drug Abuse Committee, which promotes healthy family lifestyles through drug and alcohol abuse awareness and prevention. And so, um, so from that, other opportunities have come up. And... It's, it's been incredible 
Because when you look for ways to serve, I found out that there's never a shortage. Um, and so, and so this has just been a little bit of, of my own journey. And in fact, um, I kept going just this past Friday. Um, I, I started tutoring. I started tutoring a, uh, a sixth grade student in, in Mequon. Um, having been a teacher once again, I loved, I loved those opportunities. And I told Kristen when I got home, I said, it was fun to jump back in and put the teacher hat on um, with, with this particular student. And so, so these are just a, a few ways of, of how this journey is, has gone in my life. And we, we've been able to celebrate our students serving. And hopefully this, hopefully this should motivate us to serve passionately, both as a church and to make uh, serving passionately a way of life, of, of how we personally live our lives. And, and I, want, I want people to see me as a person who cares. And that's a lot easier said than done. Um, but how do we know that someone cares? How do we know that someone cares? The number one way that we see it is through their actions, don't we? If they care, well, then they'll do something about it. If they don't care, they'll say, oh, that's too bad, and they'll walk away and not do anything about it. And so of all of the five parts of, of Port View Pete that we've been going through up here, of all the five of them, did you know that the number one way most people see you as a person who cares, the number one way that people see Port View Church as people who care, is by you and me living out lives of passionate service, both individually and as a church. That is the number one way. And so, so remember this. Here's one of, one of the things I want you to remember this morning is the most visible way others see us as people who care is by serving passionately. The most visible way that people see us as people who care is by serving passionately. So what about you? Do you or do you show in your life that you're a person who cares by serving passionately? If you're looking at this left leg of Port View Pete, uh, serving passionately, and maybe you're saying, you know what, I, I, and you're concluding, I have a weak left leg, or what can I do to strengthen it? Here are two simple steps to start serving passionately today. This is something that you could do on your way home. Number one is notice a need around you. As you begin to notice needs around you, you'll notice that there's not a shortage of people with needs and there's not a shortage of situations with needs. And so you can simply just notice those needs around you. It could be as simple as um, helping someone out who, you know, who is in your community. It could be as simple as helping someone out in your family. It could be as simple as just beginning to make some phone calls. But notice the need around you. And the second thing is simply this, then meet the need. Serving passionately is simply meeting a need. And so meet that need in some simple way. And as you begin to notice those needs and then you begin to act on them and meet those needs, um, God begins to do something incredible in your own heart and you begin to develop this habit of serving passionately. So serving passionately is simply meeting a need. Like Kennedy Elementary in Grafton had a need. They weren't going to have enough volunteers for their annual carnival. So some of our middle school and high school students simply met the need. Does that make sense? It's as simple as that. There are, there are as many ways to serve as there are needs in the world. There's a ton. There's a lot that you can do. There's as many ways to serve as there are needs in our communities. And there's as many ways to serve as there are needs even at Portview. So remember this. The most visible way others see us as people who care is by serving passionately. But there's a problem with this. Because... Maybe for some of you, you're like, Pastor Paul, that's good, but this really hasn't been sitting right with me. That, that makes sense, and, and I agree with you, but the phrase that the most visible way others see us as people who care is by serving passionately, although that's true, maybe you're sitting there thinking, but there's more to it than that, right? And you're right, there is. There is way more to it because serving passionately is a very visible way. So what happens with visible things, people begin to do them because they're visible, right? People begin to serve because then they look good. People begin to do certain things because of how it makes them feel. And so this, this idea of that the most visible way to, for others to see us is people who care is by serving passionately, while that is true, it's only half the story. And so I want to spend some time this morning 
talking to you about, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. I only knew that because my dad used to listen to it. So if you're under, uh, well, probably if you're under my age, um, you don't remember that. But, but it's only half or it's only part of the story. And so what's the rest of the phrase that you see up here? You see, serve passionately, but the rest of it says, with the love of Jesus, right? So here's the problem. If you just try to serve passionately without the love of Jesus, your serving is done out of a wrong motivation. It's done out of a wrong motivation. Anyone can serve passionately, but it's a completely different story to serve passionately with the love of Jesus. That defines the whole thing. Serving passionately may make you, make you feel good. It's, 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 a lot of times can be out of a selfish motivation. However, serving passionately with the, with the love of Jesus is the result of God changing your heart so that you don't serve anymore to make yourself feel good or to be seen, but you serve as a genuine extension of the love that's in your heart, the love of Jesus. Is this part of who we are? For example, there's a lot of great causes in our world to get behind in the servant, aren't there? There are so many, and they're good things, but many times people participate in these to feel that they have done their part, right? To do something good. And, and that's fine because there's, you know, there's never a shortage of, of, or there can never be a shortage of people doing good things. But God doesn't want us to serve so we can have a good feeling, does he? He wants us to serve from our hearts as a part of who we are. He wants us to serve with the love of Jesus. It, it would be like this. Here's an example. It would be like a parent saying to their student, I'll give you $500 for every A you get. And I'll just look at, look at these smiles and the students nudging parents. That's a great idea. That parent saying, I'll give you $500 for every A you get on your report card. That student would work really hard that semester to get all the A's they could, wouldn't they? Okay? I would too. Compare that to a student who works hard and does what's right, does their best in school, and as a result, they get some A's. The result of the two students are the same, but they were both done out of completely different motivations, weren't they? Completely different motivations. One student got A's out of a selfish motivation. If you were to take away the $500 per A, do you think that they would work as hard in school to continue to get A's? No, you took away the carrot. Okay? They'll probably be pretty happy with B's and C's. Okay? So, because you took away their selfish motivation, and so the same thing is true for just serving passionately. If you just serve passionately because it feels good, all of a sudden when serving becomes inconvenient or doesn't give you that same feeling, then you'll stop doing it okay? because of the motivation in which it was done. Because you were serving with the wrong motivation. However, the second student who does get A's out of a right and godly motivation will usually continue to work hard because their motivation is correct. There is nothing wrong with rewards, of course. That's, that's not at all what I'm saying. But we have to ask ourselves, What's our motivation? What's really our, our motivation? Do we serve out of a selfish motivation or as an extension of the love or caring in our hearts? Because there is a huge difference between the two. There's a huge difference. Are, are you beginning to see the difference between serving passionately and serving passionately with the love of Jesus? There is. There's a difference. And, and maybe some of you who are maybe a little skeptical are... You're kind of like me then. Um, I can be a little skeptical at times. But maybe some of you are sitting there saying, all right, Pastor Paul, that's great. If, if that's the case, then I probably do do a couple things out of selfish motivation. So I'm going to stop serving because I'm not doing it out of the right motivation. <laughs> Come on. I'm being honest. But that's not what I'm saying. And that's not what the Bible says either. Here, here's the thing. Here's what I would say to you. It would be like the student who's getting that $500 for A's saying, now that I'm not getting $500 for an A, I'm not going to get any more A's. They should continue to get A's, right? If you were the parent, you'd say, 
well, don't stop getting A's, okay? But what should happen is they should begin to change or begin to work on changing their motivation. If we're serving and we notice a selfish motivation, we don't stop serving. That's only feeding the selfishness, right? We continue to serve, but what do we do differently is we ask God to change our hearts. And until our service becomes an extension of the love of Jesus in our hearts. Okay? Is this making sense? You guys with me? Serving passionately with the love of Jesus. It's about serving out of right motivation. So let's take a look at a few scripture to help us understand this a little bit better. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. First scripture we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. We're going to look at verses 21 through 23. And these verses show us what God thinks of those who do acts of service out of a wrong motivation. Because God speaks to this in, in Matthew. He says in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's some harsh words. How could this happen? How could, how could people who seemingly did these great things for God be rejected? Well, to help us figure out that a little bit more, let's look at Samuel, 1 Samuel. We're going to see, we're going to see how this happens. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. This will help us understand this Matthew passage just a little bit better. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 simply says this. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. And, and here's, here's the point that I want you to get. God sees not as man sees. For man looks at what? The outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. See? God looks at our hearts. That's why it's not just enough to serve passionately. That's good. No one would argue with that. But that's not it. That's not the whole story. We must allow God to change our hearts so we serve passionately with the love of Jesus. There's a big difference. So when we accept Jesus, what happens is, is He begins this process of, of changing our hearts from the inside out. The, the theological term for this, or for this process, is called sanctification. He, he changes our hearts from the inside out. And it's a process of becoming, really, people who care, but not just people who care about the stuff they want to care about it, but it's becoming people who care about the things God wants us to care about. Our motivation begins to change. We begin to care about the things God cares about until our heart, until what we care about, until our motivation becomes more like God's. Are, are you guys with me? This, he changes... He's in this process of always changing our hearts so that we have the right and proper motivation to serve passionately with the love of Jesus. And this is, this is an exciting process because anytime God is changing me, I get excited about that. Because when I look in the mirror, I see all kinds of selfishness. I see all kinds of ways that I, that I don't and I can't measure up. And so I pray and ask God to help me each day, each time, each situation to change my heart into what he wants it to look like. So the question is, that I begin to ask is, so then how can you tell, how can you see where your heart is? How do I know if I'm just serving passionately or if I'm serving passionately with the love of Jesus, right? How many of you would want to know that? Now that there's a big difference, how do you know that? So that's what we're going to focus on right now. I want to show you three simple ways from Scripture to assess your motivation, to make sure that you're on the right track. Remember, none of us have arrived, like I just referred to before. We're all, including myself, in this process of hopefully allowing God to change our hearts to become people who care about the things that God cares about. So use these three points as an ongoing way to assess your heart and your motivation. These three benchmarks are found in the Scripture that Jared read to us just a little while ago. So turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start by looking at verse, verse 3. Philippians 2, verse 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 5. 
Now, when, when as a leadership team, we were um, defining really the purposes that God already set out in his word, and we were defining them and kind of using verbiage and everything, um, we picked this scripture text to, as a support for serving passionately with the love of Jesus. And we chose it because it speaks directly to the heart in which our serving should be done with. Okay? So Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5, and I'll repeat it even though Jared just read it. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so from this passage, we're going to focus on three ways we can assess ourselves. And if we're going to serve passionately with the love of Jesus, we need to be able to see or notice these three things. God wants us to grow in these three attributes so we can move from just serving to serving with the love of Jesus. And so here's the first one. Number one, the number one way that you can tell if you're serving passionately with the love of Jesus is to make sure that you are humble in mind. Number one is be humble in mind. This simply means... It's easier to ha- act humble than it is to be humble in how you think, isn't it? It's really easy to act humble. It's a lot harder to be humble in your mind and how you think. You can fake humility in your actions. Did you know that? How many of you have done that before? Fake humility. Come on. Oh, no, I don't, I don't mind. And Oh, that's okay. And, oh, don't, don't, you know what? Don't worry about it. That's, I, I don't really believe that. Or, you know. But we, we can act humble, we can fake humility, but we can't fake humility in our mind, can we? We can't. See, the battle for humility actually takes place in your mind. And, and as God works on your heart and he begins to change who you are, eventually the new you will affect your thinking. That's just bound to happen. Anyone who's come to Christ and allowed God to change their hearts have had to, had to do some, some rethinking, right? Had to undo some old thinking. And so, over time, as you realize this, you'll need to unlearn some old thinking. And this is usually, like a lot of things, easier said than done. Before we come to Christ, selfishness rules in our hearts and in our minds because of our sin nature. We were born selfish and sinful, and so when God enters the picture and begins to change our heart, our selfishness and sinful nature won't like that, does it? It doesn't want to change. See, selfishness and humility are actually polar opposites. You couldn't, they couldn't be further apart. Selfish, selfishness and humility cannot coexist. They're like oil and water. They don't mix at all. Selfishness is actually, I would call it, the enemy of humility. It's really what it is. So that's why Paul says, do nothing from selfishness but with humility of mind. In our sanctification process, we go from selfishness to humility. And so here's an example of it's easier to act humble than it is to be humble in mind. Maybe you're the person at work who comes up with a great idea, and in this economy this is a big deal, with a great idea of how to save the company money in a very critical time, right? That's valuable now, isn't it? <laughs> if you can save, you can save your company money, that's a big deal. So... Maybe you're that person. The The selfish mind says, I want to get recognized or rewarded for this, right? When you come up with the idea, there should be some royalties, right? A selfish mind would say, um, would say something like this, that maybe they should spend some of that savings that you just led them to and give you a raise, right? <laughs> so... We want to get recognized. It, it's easier for us to act humble and say, oh, no, no, you know what, that's, that's not a big deal. But on the inside, maybe you're a little bitter about that. Okay? That's what the selfish mind would do. Your motivation is wrong. You came up with the money-saving idea. Maybe you didn't even think about it this way, but you find out quickly that you came up with the idea maybe out of a selfish motivation in order to be recognized, not to necessarily benefit the company at all but because it would serve you good. It would serve you well. So the humble in mind doesn't get hurt like that because the money-saving idea came out of a healthy and right motivation. Paul describes the difference in our minds before we come to Christ, the selfishness in our minds, to 
what happens after we accept Christ when we're working in that process towards humility of mind. And he describes this in Romans 8, 5 through 8. He says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death. Ooh. But the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God because of selfishness and pride. I, I added that in there, because of selfishness and pride. For it is not even able to do so. I mean, your, line, it's saying your mind literally can't even do it because of the selfishness and pride that's in. And so those who are of the flesh, it says, cannot please God. So, so how does this process work? How do we go from a mind of selfishness to a mind of humility? Paul describes how to accomplish this in Romans 12 too. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, right? Hopefully this is familiar. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you, you may prove what the will of God is, that which is a good and acceptable and perfect. So here's two simple ways to recognize if you're becoming humble in mind like Paul talked about. Number one, if you're becoming humble in mind, then you'll be teachable. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? Can you take instruction from someone else, or do you get easily offended or hurt? And maybe a more pointed question, can you take spiritual instruction from someone else? That's a big deal. To be humble in mind, you have to be able to do that. And the second thing is, are you willing to assess yourself spiritually? This is a lot harder than it may sound. Can you assess your spiritual life, your spiritual thinking, and your motivation honestly? Because there's an awful lot of people out there who may be able to receive instruction, but they'll say, but that's not me. I, I don't need to change that because they're not able to honestly assess themselves spiritually. So those two ways are the two ways that you can see or figure out if you're becoming, if you're going from selfishness to humility. Someone who um, may say that they're teachable, and you may be able to show them how to make a birdhouse or how to drive, but turn around and try to say something about anything spiritual or give them any insight or try to help them out spiritually, and they'll usually prickle or bristle at that. In the same way, a lot of people who are good at a self-assessment but can't spiritually assess themselves honestly because they think they've arrived at all spiritual knowledge. Okay? I've heard self-assessment described this way, and I thought this was kind of encouraging and very true. I've heard self-assessment described this way. They've said, you're never as bad as you think you are, but you're never as good as you think you are either. I thought, you know what? That, that's true. That, that's just true. Okay. So the first way to serve passionately with the love of Jesus out of a right motivation is to be humble in your mind, to go from selfishness in your mind to a mind of humility. The second way that we serve with the love of Jesus is this. The second way is to treat other people as more important than ourselves. You treat other people as more important than ourselves. If your mind works like mine, once again, I bet you might have a, little, a few red flags go up when, you, when I say that, because according to the golden rule, my response would be, well, no, that can't be right. I thought I was just supposed to treat others the way I wanted to be treated. Right? And that's different than treating others better than myself. There's a difference. And that's true. God wants us to treat others the way we want to be treated. But Paul takes that even one step further when he says treat others better than yourself. See, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for the, your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. I think we have a, a hard time with this idea, maybe because of the culture we were raised in. I think the culture that we were raised in affects us in this way. The American culture, in our culture, this isn't a common reality. People don't go around thinking of others more important than themselves, do they? We didn't grow up seeing that, necessarily. However, this idea does happen periodically in our culture, but those people are usually referred to as heroes, aren't they? We've usually designated that term for them. Treating others as more important than ourselves actually happened quite a bit in the tragedy of 9-11, didn't it? That was exemplified at that time. The stories of what happened on that plane that crashed into the field in Pennsylvania were incredible. When they heard of the plan of what these, and where these pilots wanted to fly that plane, they took the plane down themselves knowing very well that they would die in the process. 
they were thinking of others before themselves or better than themselves. Or, or the New York police officers and firefighters that heroically put themselves in harm's way to save as many lives as they could in the World Trade Center rubble. Or, or the many other stories that hopefully we can share about people regarding others as better than themselves. See, these stories hopefully bring us encouragement and hope, don't they? We rally around those situations when they happen. This, this whole idea of treating people as better than ourselves they help us see that there still are people around us who will put this idea into practice. It's very encouraging. But dream with me for a second. Just, just dream, just take one minute and dream with me and think, what if people could live their lives with this attitude? What if instead of saving this idea for our, for our heroes, we were able to live lives that reflected this godly ideal? I mean, what if? It would be incredible. It would be incredible. What if the idea of treating others as more important than yourself went from being uncommon to common or from being abnormal to normal? What would happen? What would that look like? Well, the good news is, is that it can and it does because when we serve with the love of Jesus, that's exactly what happens. That's, ex that's the same attitude. That's exactly what happens. Remember, serving passionately is just seeing a need and meeting it, right? That's what we described it as before. So God begins to open your eyes to the needs around you, and as you begin to meet those needs, when, when you live your life in this way, you will find that you begin to sacrifice what you have or what you can do so that you can put yourself into a position to meet someone else's need. Pastor Mark has, has told me a few times of, of one of his life mottos. And he has a lot of them. But one of the ones that, he, that I've heard him repeat over and over is this. He says, live simply so others can simply live. Structuring our lives to reflect the importance of treating others better than yourself. What a great idea. What a great idea. As, as God changes our hearts into people who care, we will find ourselves thinking more this way. We'll think this way more and more. And this may mean saying no to a pricey vacation so you can keep some money available to give to people in need around you. Or this may mean reshuffling your schedule to make time for that neighbor who just had surgery and can't do their normal everyday activities and going over, to helping them, and, going over and helping them. We serve with the love of Jesus when we treat others as more important than ourselves. Right? That's right. Are you starting to get a picture in your mind of what serving passionately with the love of Jesus looks like? Okay. Imagine if all of us in this room began to live this way. I'm still dreaming. Because this is tough for me to do. What if all of us in the room lived this way? What, what if we, with humility of mind, treated others as more importantly than ourselves? What would happen? Hopefully you're beginning to think of some of those things. But here's a couple of things that would happen. Everyone in our families... Everyone in our neighborhoods and everyone in our communities would see the love of Jesus, wouldn't they? They would be able to literally see the love of Jesus. Just think if God used us to meet so many needs that we would begin to see change in our families and in our neighborhoods, right? And God would have used us to change Port Washington and Saukville and the surrounding communities. If hundreds of people that are sitting in this room were to live this way, we'd be able to change the city. Not because we're just serving passionately, but because we're serving passionately with the love of Jesus. There's a big difference, isn't there? If this happens, we would be demonstrating our final point, the last thing I want to say this morning, and it's simply this. We serve with the love of Jesus when we have the same attitude as Jesus. The first two points of humility of mind and treating others better than yourself really sum up this last point. Paul says in Philippians 2, 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. So let's take a moment, just real quick, and I want to look at how Paul describes Jesus' attitude. Paul goes on in Philippians 2 to explain the attitude of Jesus. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, he says this. He says, having this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, comma, so it wasn't the end of a thought. It continued on by saying, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, 
taking the form of a bondservant, which was referred to in Pastor Mark's sermon a few weeks ago about serving passionately. Anyone who comes to Christ becomes a servant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. So look at that attitude Jesus demonstrated. He willingly emptied himself. He willingly took the form of a bondservant, and he willingly humbled himself by being obedient even until death, death on a cross. And so God wants the people of Portview Church to have this attitude ourselves, doesn't he? That's exactly what he wants us to have. When you allow God to continue to change your heart, you begin to not just act humble, but become humble in mind. And then as you gain humility of mind, the selfishness doesn't have a stranglehold on your mind, and you begin to see others as more important than yourselves. And and when you begin to structure your life to reflect others as more important than yourselves, you will be demonstrating the same attitude Jesus had. You will be serving passionately with the love of Jesus. That sounds like a tall order sometimes, but remember, it's, it's not really, because it's not up to us and how fast we can change ourselves, is it? It's simply a willingness to allow God to begin to change our hearts. And here's what I know. If every one of us would be willing to have God change our hearts, we would consistently serve with the love of Jesus. God would use us to change Port Washington and the surrounding communities for him. That's exactly what would happen. God wants us to change Ozaki County by serving passionately with the love of Jesus. Do you guys have a better picture in your mind on what serving passionately with the love of Jesus looks like? I hope so. I hope so, because that's exactly what God has been trying to show us today. And so it all starts with humility of mind. Then we begin to treat others better than ourselves. And last, we begin to see the same attitude in us that was in Christ. And as we do this, we will see a change in our motivation to serve from a more selfish motivation to one that is simply an expression of the love of Jesus in our hearts. And so that's what I know that's what I want for your life, for my life. Is that what you guys want? Hopefully as a church body, that's what we want, right? Will you join me in this mission to serve out of right motivation, to serve passionately with the love of Jesus? I've been trying to figure this out personally, and I think God wants all of us to do the same.